Hey all and welcome back. I'm glad to have you again here at the Warrior Monk Podcast. On today's episode, I talked with Damon Young of SSVI LLC. Damon is one of the best guys out there in the gunsmithing world. I've been following him for quite a while. And I reached out to him in regards to ordering one of his tier Glock triggers. It's a custom-made trigger that he designed. And uh, one thing led to another in a conversation, and he joined me on the podcast, which is awesome, via Skype. Uh, so we talked a bunch of stuff. We talked about Glocks and pistol work, both talking about training as well as getting custom work done to your pistol to better fit you and increase your performance with your pistol. And we also get into some of some other stuff, which mutual interest between us, such as Star Wars, Nordic stuff, and uh, talked about his really cool pets. He's got two, uh, two pretty unusual and unique cats. One's a Savannah cat, one's a Serval. Vader and Tarkin, again, sticking with the Star Wars theme. Uh, it was a fun conversation, and Damon was really nice enough to offer a discount to the listeners of the Word Monk podcast if you're interested in ordering one of his tier triggers. I actually ordered one myself, so stick around until the end of the podcast if that's something that you're interested in getting a discount on. Uh, before we get into the conversation, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible's offering you a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial membership. I've personally enjoyed this service that Audible offers. Uh, they've got audio programs and books, and it allows me to be productive and listen to new books while I do things around the house like chores or while I'm stuck doing stuff that I usually can't be productive with, like sitting in traffic during my morning or evening commute. Audible's made it really easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash warriormonkpodcast, and you can browse their huge library of audio programs. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash warriormonkpodcast, and you can get started today and enjoy a free book. All right, guys. Now, please enjoy the conversation with myself and Damon Young of SSVI. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Warrior Monk Podcast. I'm really excited this afternoon. I've got Damon Young from SSVI. Uh, He's uh, calling me from home. We're amidst all the COVID nonsense, so we're doing some social distancing and uh, some some talking at the same time, kind of keeping connected with people while at the same time, keeping your distance. So, uh, Damon, appreciate you joining me on the podcast today, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. So for anybody who doesn't know about SSVI, I'll just, uh, just kind of go over it real quick. You, you do, uh, custom gunsmithing and, and framework for, uh, Glocks, but I've seen you do other pistol platforms in the past and, uh, you do, you do some phenomenal work, man. And it's real, real pieces of art that you put out. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it started with just uh, with uh, you know basic polymer framework, and majority of that was Glocks. Uh, where I work now, um, I'm on the special response team with Department of Energy, and when I first you know did a couple, <clears throat> of course you know the average guy is gonna do his own gun. Then maybe if his buddy's got a gun, like he'll you know do that and then save up money and get another gun, you know or Something. So it's kind of a slow going for most most guys, but where I do what I do, like every one of my coworkers, uh, you know, well into the dozens has at least a Glock. So when I told them I wanted to start doing this, they just I had a ton dumped in my lap. So I had a ton of experience within just the first couple months and was kind of figuring out the kinks and the, the do's and don'ts right off the bat. So before I ever, you know, really went public or any, you know, business 
uh, area with it. Like I kind of had a good grasp of it. Cool. Uh, yeah. So for any of the listeners too, if you don't mind, could you go a little bit into your, into your background and kind of how you, this kind of led you down this path of doing pistol work and if you're, you're a veteran. So if you want to speak to that a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I was kind of your, your average long haired metal kid all growing up, like metal music, anti-establishments, you know, screw the government, you know, kind of thing. Me too, brother. And, uh, I was all, I had a mohawk dude, in high school and it was punk dude, rock yeah. and all that stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. I had the long hair mohawk where, you know, I didn't spike it up, but everything else was shit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, after working a, a few of the average run of the mill jobs, like one of the, the last I had was, was circuit city. And really all it took was, um, I was having a bad day at work. Like I was, I was in, and by bad day, I mean, we were short staffed and the boss said, Hey, can you go work at the front counter and do some, you know, returns, customer service stuff. And dear God, for some reason that infuriated me. And, uh, I was up there and just bummed as hell about my mediocre life. And I was like, you know what, if this job didn't exist, nothing would change. Nothing would be any different. People would go somewhere else or, you know, just nothing really, you know, would matter. And so I started thinking, you know, what, well, what jobs do matter? And there's, there's only a few fields. And to me, it's, uh, like the labor industry, you know, not much Mm -hmm. we get done without those guys. Um, you need your military and, and police type in a society. And then you've got, uh, I don't know what field to put them in, but you know, your teachers, like those, those, I mean, type of functioning society, you have to have those three things. And, and, um, absolutely. Yeah. And oddly enough, of all the things that kind of influenced me, like I was, I was playing Metal Gear Solid <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, man, how badass would it be to do this for a living? Like this would be just badass. And then, you know, I'm having this bad day and I'm thinking like, wait, they'll, you just have to say you want to do that and they'll send you and pay you to go do that. <laughs> and like that day at lunch, I went down to the recruitment office and, and, uh, this is after like an internal debate of like, well, should I do like national guard or reserves? And I'm like, well, I'm still going to be coming back here. And so now nah, let's just go. So, uh, within two weeks I was shipped off to basic and, uh, as an infantryman and, and that's where I got my start there. So, and, and my thoughts were, you know, if, if you're going to be military, my, you know, any movie you see, I'm like, why would you want to do anything except jump out of planes and shoot bad guys? Right. So, um, I couldn't go airborne. That wasn't offered. I was infantry. Um, I was in for three years, did the first, uh, Iraq deployment in 2003. I got to my unit right at the end of 2002. So we knew right off the bat that we were getting ready to deploy, uh, that way. So yeah. I was over there for deployments and, um, I ended up getting out right before our next. And, uh, so I went from that back to circuit city for a short time, just cause they had to like give you your, your, uh, uh, old job back due to some, you know, VA laws and all that. Right. And I basically got out, you know, a bunch of marriage issues and I, and I got out hoping that that would kind of help fix it all. And it surprisingly didn't. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So I've ridden that boat too. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And, uh, but back here in Idaho falls, there's this uh, mythical place called the site. And that's 
the majority of the people here, that's all they know. Like, well, my dad works at the site. What does he do? I don't know. Oh, why would you not know what your dad does? Or, you know, it's everyone knows somebody out here and nobody knows what anyone else does. And uh, so it's, it's basically just a big research facility for DOE. And they're always hiring for security out there. And the job really isn't that hush-hush uh, or weird. I just think... Right it's boring enough that people don't want to talk about it. Really, I mean, really, that's what it is. Like, <laughs> like, well, what is, what is your dad? Like, it turns out your dad's just an engineer. Like, he cads up, you know, machine, sure. machining parts, you know, stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot of nuclear material and all that, and that right. is uh, mandated to have a certain level of protection. So I made it out here doing that, and then after a little while, I made it onto the special response team, which basically is, like, the SWAT team. And, and to be totally honest, the training we get out here – Dude, it beats the hell out of anything I did in the military. Like, I was shocked. You know, first you know week on the range, I'm like, you know, I'll play along. I know what I'm doing. And after a couple of days, I'm like, I didn't know shit. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that's awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. That's that's actually yeah. one of my favorite things of training to do is go go someplace, you know, and you kind of like, well, it, sometimes you get certain expectations depending on who the instructor cadre is or what, you know, what you've heard about them or whatever, and just kind of show up and just like I said, like, well, just play the game mm -hmm. and you get pleasantly blown away by the level yeah. of instruction that, that an experience that people have. I mean, I've, I've, I've trained with a bunch of people. I've trained with, uh, Travis Haley. I've trained with, yeah. um, with, uh, Tim Kennedy, awesome. uh, a bunch of the people that, that actually work out of Herbert field are out of the prior, uh, SF community, seventh group and mm. stuff like that. So I've had some excellent people and it's, it's always awesome when you, you just show up and you, you have a day of training or a week of training and you walk away and you're like, man, this was, this is some of the, you can, sometimes you can get the best training from the, from good people in such a short amount of time. It's like, man, I spent two, two years at a unit and I didn't get anywhere near as much takeaway oh, yeah. as I did from one week of training with a really good instructor. Yep. Yep. That's entirely true. Not, not to get too off topic, but, um, all right, cool, man. Well, I, thank you so much yeah. for the, the the background on you too. I didn't I didn't really know too much about you. I've been following you on Instagram and stuff for a long time, but it's it's mostly been your about like your cats and your guns. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they uh they get most of the popularity. Yeah. Oh, but, I was gonna say Vader just wandered in here. I was, I was gonna oh, okay. show him to you, but he he wandered back up. Uh, no worries, man. Well, I'm sure he'll pop in the in this, the frame here eventually. Yeah. Um, so transitioning kind of a little bit into into what you do a little bit, um, Glock is like the has become kind of the I always like say it's like the AK forty seven of the of the pistol world, right? Like it's mm -hmm. it's you can find them everywhere, you can find parts for them everywhere. They've been now, especially more than ever, with like eighty percent builds and stuff like that, and all these companies are making sort of like aftermarket frames and stuff like that. Uh, every time you squeeze the trigger, it's going to go bang, assuming that you've been maintaining it properly and stuff like that. So. Um, What's what's your thoughts on the on the platform? I know and I know it gets a lot of debate with people because people there's some people that still hold on to like the 1911 style you know frames and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, your take on it on Glock as a total and why that you prefer to work on that frame. So I didn't have a ton of experience with them uh, before I got this job. No, I've been out there in security for a little over 13 years, and you know in my interview I remember asking you know about the weapon systems they run and and they're yeah you know Glock and the 416, the HK416, and uh, I was kind of bummed. You know, I've been like an, uh, an HK, you know, fanboy for a long time, and I'm like, ah, oh, god dang it, you know, the generic Glock. Yeah. And uh, but then after getting used to the nuances, I mean, if it's something that you have to 
carries a duty gun. Like I do, I genuinely don't believe there's a better platform out there, especially, um, when you get to talking to a lot of armors and it, you know, I've been uh, a certified armor and I've seen, you know, quite a few different things, but our armor out there at the site who has seen is like, we've got a guy that at the time, and this was eight or nine years ago, I think he had told me that one of the, our teammates was running a gun that had 70,000 rounds through it. And he'd had to change Holy a couple God. springs like in that, that amount of time, 70,000 rounds. And, that, and, and for anyone who doesn't know, that's a ridiculous number of rounds. I mean, oh, typically with, with like government weapons that like we usually say like 10,000 is like barrels. Yeah. Thing. Yep. And I mean, again, no catastrophic failures. And then he'd, he'd go through and he'd show me. He's like, so I've seen it with this frame tab broken off. I've seen it with the actual trigger pin broken. I've seen it like he'll go through all the things that would be catastrophic failures in other guns. And they're like, yeah. And he didn't even know this was broken until we had to do our, you know, PM, uh, you know, work on, on all the guns and, and we found, you know, this or that broke, you know, you know, springs that are entirely snapped and you'd never know. Like, it's just, it's such a weird and for how simple it is, it's crazy how robust the system is. I mean, there's only a few things that could go wrong. And when those things do go wrong, it usually doesn't affect the gun too terribly. So it's, right. it's just crazy reliable. Yeah. And, and, and I, again, you know, I, I agree. I think like that's, it's, that's... Oh, I was going to say, I, like, I've always described it as the M4 of you know firearms or of, of pistols because there's like you get a glock and it just becomes like cool i've got my starting point mm-hmm. and now you can like the, the doors are wide open on anything you can do with it and it just seems uh there's no other platform where because of its reliability everyone wants to jump on board with you know making something to fit you know that exact person or that right. style of shooting or whatever mm-hmm. yeah that's that's probably a better analogy now that i think about it too between the the modularity and aftermarket uh, you know, accessories, availability, and everything of that nature. Um, so I wanted to get a little bit into your, you have a, you have a custom trigger, the tier trigger mm-hmm. that you've, do you kind of personally design that or do you have a team that kind of helped you innovate on that? So um, I'm, I'm really good at like handwork. Like yeah. that's, that's my, my expertise. If I had found a, you know, a route to go into something, you know, more design oriented or machining or whatever, like now, like I can definitely see how valuable that is. But at the time I didn't know anything about it. And, um, actually there was about the only big block mining company out there at the time I was, I was reaching out to them to, cause I basically wanted to use their trigger shoes in my builds. And the first time I called them and this is, they're a pretty, well-known company kind of a they make custom glocks that unless you're some sort of like ultra famous guy you're not ever going to see in person i've I've heard of tons of people that like have sent them tons of money for custom guns and just everything kind of goes away but anyway um the first time i'd gotten a hold of them i had talked to one of the owners one of the two brothers and he was absolutely on board he's like dude hell yeah we know exactly who you are that sounds awesome you'd probably have to order in this kind of bulk and you know we can get your pricing here so I was like, hell yeah, right on. And then a week later, you know, I go to get a hold of them again and there's nothing. And then that kept getting dragged out. Then I found out I was like blocked on all their social media. And I was like, what the what? hell happened? Everything was super cool. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, that's off the table. And then right around then I had a guy email me and said, you know, yeah, I really want some some gun work. And um, I do this by trade. And if you have any, you know, 
use for a guy that can, you know, AutoCAD something up, let me know. So then I was like, well, actually. Yeah. So, and, and basically with my skill set, like I'm like literally sending him sketches. Like I, I get a printout of a Glock, wipe out, you know, the trigger area and then like sketch, you know, something in. And I'm like, how about something like this? And then he'd send me back a three, you know, render of it. And then we just kept kind of adding and refining. And then, um, he ended up sending me a 3d print, which looked awesome and pretty close to spot on nothing lined up and fit. Well, he wasn't actually a, a gun guy. Um, he just did, I think he worked in the aerospace industry, but, uh, okay. That was a good enough base though, to get that, um, that file sent off to another partner of mine that knew guns way more and has got a huge background. And he immediately knew like, okay, this pin needs to be here. This hole needs to be here. Here's how this would work. And then we kind of got things, uh, organized better on that. But, uh, yeah, it was just basically me sketching stuff up with a, with a pen and paper and, and hoping something would work out well. And then was it like a multiple kind of stages of development? You kind of kept going back to the drawing table or did it, was it just like the design worked out great and you just kind of like, let's roll with it. So aesthetically it, it didn't really change a whole lot. So I, there was, there was really only a couple different, uh, Glock trigger companies out there. There was, um, there was like, you know, the Glock store and like just the, the big kind of generic, like it looks just like a normal Glock shoe, except it's metal. And, um, I wanted to do something that had, you know, a, you know, better looking aesthetic to it. So aesthetically it hasn't changed a whole lot. There's been a few <clears throat> other small, uh, design element changes. Like, you know, the, the safety's gotten wider over time. Um, uh, I always wanted to stick with a, a curved shoe because to me going with, uh, a flat trigger on a pivot system Right. Actually, I, I, it just doesn't make sense. On a 1911 where it just slides back, you know, perfect. But right. on something that pivots, you want it to, you know, have somewhere for your finger to, you know, be cradled in. So I knew I wanted it curved. I knew I wanted to have these design uh, aesthetics. And and other than that, it, it really ha- hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, there's the, the Gen 5 revision. And uh, that's really about it. Otherwise, the, the shoe works in pretty much every other model of gun. They're all pretty generic and and work, yeah. Yeah, I mean, tri- it's an important thing. I know for for most guys in the duty world, you know, there's only so much you can do to modify your pistol. You know, what I mean, most most departments won't allow you to uh, change your triggers, and you know, maybe you can do a polish job or something like that. Have your armor kind of try to clean things up a little bit and get rid of the grit, but there's not a whole lot you can do as far as changing that stuff out. But I, I try to spend, I'm one of the main trainers for my guys and I try to get my guys on their pistol to work trigger control uh, a lot because it seems to be one of the biggest things with guys in pistol work that really affects their accuracy is trigger interaction. Mm-hmm. And for us, especially because we're still using the, the Beretta M nines. So, you know, you've got oh, that, boy. that, yeah, you've, uh, we've been we've been waiting for the the SIGs for a long time, uh, the the M eighteen seventeens and M eighteens. But um, you know, going from that um, that double action to, to single action is it's, it's a heavy trigger pull. So you know, you, you're fighting a lot of people with flinch reactions and just heavy trigger pull and all that. So we we spend a lot of time trying to I, I call them training scars. You know, for oh, yeah. just not having a good time behind the trigger and, and getting bigger action and you know working on your actual extension of the gun working in conjunction with your trigger finger and and all those kind of things uh that we just we don't get on the conventional side as much because everything is so oriented around the safety and not the performance of the sh- of the shooter which of course safety is always number one but 
certain stuff like having a gun at full extension before your fingers in the trigger well that can be tenths of a second which you know could be your life or your partner's life so yeah um, but yep. I think it's really cool that you've worked on something like a trigger because I've, I've played around with different triggers and I definitely know that putting a different trigger in your gun or or even just doing some some adjustment work to your to your trigger can make a huge difference to actually seeing your senior rounds downrange oh yeah and the the crazy thing about the Glock trigger too is it's dude it's it's unreal how much changing the shoe because I, I leave everything else OEM right just changing the shoe alone changes the way the the everyone asks what you know what weight is it like it's it's just changing the shoe there's not technically a weight difference but you it definitely feels different and right. I don't know if it's just because leverage points you know a little bit further you know behind the pin or or what but. You know, on on certain guys like the M and P, uh, like Apex kit, dude, it's it's a it's a whole kit, and you got to change a lot of stuff out, and the result is incredible. But you just you don't have to do that to get a good trigger out of a Glock. Right, right. And I, I noticed with yours, and I haven't gotten my hands on it yet. I'm going to be ordering one, but so I say not yet. Uh, but it seems like he's just got quite a bit more surface area with the trigger too, which kind of allows you to get more purchase with your finger and it probably changes a little bit with how the, the, the angle changes with the actual, actual yep. movement of the trigger backwards. Yeah. The front, the front face face is, is, you know, flat of course. So there's, it's not rounded up and I, I don't know. I don't know why I clocked at certain things. Like even when <laughs> you've got the OEM trigger and the safety's you know, entirely pushed down like that still, it's still, it's bumped out. And if you shoot them for a living, like I remember, yeah. you know, being out on the range and like being so like stoked. I'm like, I got a blister from shooting. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> but like that, it's because of that safety. If the safety actually went flush with the with the face of the the trigger, then yeah, there wouldn't be that issue. Yeah, exactly. And I I get it too. The um the kind of notorious blister you get on your on your yep. middle finger. Dude, every, every one of us has got this like gnarly ass you know the hump. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and so you do that a lot too on your framework. You kind of add some more space underneath that that trigger guards for that finger. Yep. So I uh, so I, I posted a video actually on my Instagram uh, a day or so back, going over how I do the the undercut. Yeah, I remember <clears throat> seeing it. Yeah. So a lot of people just want to make you know they want the undercut, so they want to just cut that up higher, and now your your grip is up higher. But then the bump that messes up that knuckle so bad is just even more pronounced. So mm-hmm. I just I just try to move that bump out a bit and smooth it out. I don't remove a whole ton of material. I just kind of contour the sides so that it's not digging into the side of your finger when you are gripping up high. So there's I mean there's a lot of things to to think about. I guess if you're permanently modifying someone else's gun, I mean they who knows what could happen. They could trip and and the barrel of their gun, you know, while they're holding it, could you know go face down to the ground and that becomes their means of support as they hit the ground. And, last thing you want is to have something you know fragile snap on it that wouldn't sure. snaps you know unless you had you know worked on it so right and it's it's such a personal thing too with ergonomics i mean like i've got i've had guys in my shop that are like five foot five you know what i mean and have you know quote unquote hobbit hands it's like mm-hmm. the way he, in, he interacts with his firearm is different than me i'm six foot two and i've got these weird like basketball player fingers that like you know yeah. i can palm up palm of basketball. So the, the way that, you know, everybody's going to interact with a gun, it's not, you know, it's not a one size fits all. So having that ability to, to, to have someone work on your, on your frame and customize it is, is really big when it comes to your, your ergonomics and how you, kinesthetics and how you work with a handgun. Yep. Yep. 100%. So, uh, yeah, so the, the trigger is called the, the, the tier, right? Correct. And that's, that's named after the, the Nordic God of war. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I've noticed it's kind of a theme with your stuff. In fact, one of the first things I remember seeing from you was your uh, TK421 build. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, which is Star oh, Wars yeah. reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, if anyone who hasn't seen it, go look it up on uh, on Damon's Instagram. But it's, you know, classic black and white, like Stormtrooper armor and has the Imperial logo on it and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I dug it right away being a Star Wars fan. But uh, yeah, so where does that stem from, that kind of background and interest in Nordic and, <clears throat> and Star Wars stuff? Um. Well, overall, like the the bigger, colorful builds, that all kind of that was something else that kind of started by accident too. So I had one of the the first Cerakoted guns I ever did. It was you know a guy sent me his gun. I said, hey, it's been Cerakoted by this guy named you know Blown Deadline, and so I I don't know how it's going to turn out, but you know just do what you can with it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try. So I think it was an FDE gun, you know, just a kind of sand colored gun. And I'm working on it, and that, you know, that's when it clicks. I'm like, holy shit! Like everything I'm doing, everywhere I'm working is it's going black again. So I gotta be super careful on how I'm doing lines and how I'm doing, you know, my sanding. And in the end, the two tone nature of it just like it was brilliant to me. And I was like, dear God, amazing. So I had gotten a hold of a few different Cerakoters, had catastrophically bad luck with several, until I found a couple good ones. And, and overall, I stick with a blown deadline. But he was also the guy that he was kind of up and coming and kind of a, a fuck the system kind of guy, too, <laughs> where and I mean, if you look at some of his HK bills, he loves pissing off those fanboys. But like um, I was the guy that was like, hey, so do you want to try a themed gun? Like I think one of the first themed guns was an Assassin's Creed one where it was mostly white with a red logo. And at the time, like he would he'd take the frame and just spray paint like a huge area like the the alternate color and then i've got to hand carve out you know the details and all that right and um so it went from like that kind of stuff to that's when we first did the uh, first few stormtrooper guns and just the, the star wars universe you know as as a whole is just it's it's really recognizable it's really unique mm-hmm. i mean if I it's, got a, laid, it's got a huge fan base oh yeah i mean if i laid out an assassin's creed gun and a star wars gun like people are gonna know exactly what, you know which one came from from Star Wars, and and that's something I grew up with. I'm uh, 42 now, and so I remember, like as a kid, you know, sitting at my aunt's with my cousins, you know, watching you know Star Wars movies, and that was just part of, uh, yeah, part of my upbringing. And uh, then from that to a lot of the big gamer type builds, like the the Borderlands guns, and luckily, Mike uh, that runs Blown Deadline, he's he, <laughs> He hasn't told me to go fuck myself yet. Could I, I would, <laughs> dude, I would Photoshop insane detailed stuff. Like I want the very end to be this color, but then it goes to a checkerboard here and it goes into this and it fades into this with a logo right here. And I'm thinking like, he's going to be like, lose my number. Like don't ever contact yeah, me. Yeah. Again. And, and it comes back to like, I'm so glad you know exactly what you want. Thank you. I'm like, Oh, and yeah. uh, so he's, he's been instrumental in, in all those builds. And so, that kind of leads you down to a path of like everything you own ends up you want as you know custom as possible. Like I, right. any Glock frame I get, I'm like, cool. What's this one going to be? Because I'm not just going to have a you know a stippled Glock anymore. But uh, between that and like uh, I think the the Viking and the Nordic stuff, that's uh, I think that's <laughs> that comes back from me being a long haired metal kid. Like uh, yeah, growing up, I was always you know you know, black metal in Norway and, and all about all that. And, uh, 
once I saw the doors kind of opening up to do creative design work on uh, a lot of the guns I was doing, uh, that was kind of just the natural direct direction to go. And, you know, I was, I was trying to think of, uh, Norse type things for, you know, just overall branding and, uh, SSVI actually came from, uh, I mean, it's, it's older than SRT, but speed violence or mm -hmm. speed, surprise, violence, surprise action, violence action industries. Mm -hmm. And so that's where SSVI came from. And, um, but you know, the, everything had taken, you know, a more colorful, colorful direction since then. So, uh, I think that's where I was going more Norse again, where the triggers uh, were getting designed and, and I've had, you know, Mjolnir's on, on half the custom guns I've ever done. So, right. um, trying to think of a, a creative name for that, you know, then doing research on the God tier and, uh, how he lost his hand to the Wolf Benrer and, and, you know, uh, defense of his people. I think that's how it goes. I might be slaughtering that one, no. but no, you, know, you got thought, it right. Okay, good. And, uh, um, I thought that was uh, a great uh, title for a trigger, basically. So, yeah. out of yeah. curiosity, have you uh, have you read uh, Neil Gaiman's book on North mythology? Uh, I've got the audio book. I've gotten, I think, half of it down. I haven't listened yeah. to all of it. Though. Yeah, I listened to it on an audio book too. I, I really enjoyed it because it was just his narration style. He's just he's so British, but <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but it just it's so comical. Like you, a lot of people, um, you know. Thor has gotten, you know, international recognition all over again because of the Marvel movies and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And a lot of people have been actually were kind of like offended. The last couple of Thor movies have come out where his character is so much more comical. But when you listen to that but book or, or read that accurate. that book, yeah. it's it's hundred percent accurate from the mythology of Thor. Is I mean, he's like this big kind of lumbering, goofy he's oaf. He's kind of smart. Yeah. No, he's a meathead. I mean, he's a lovable character, and he's like good. He's good natured and kind hearted. He's a hero, but he's he's not uh, he's not winning. He's not winning like any contest against Tony Stark for, no. for brain power. <laughs> no, he did not make it into Mensa. <laughs> cool man. Uh, yeah, I, I like hearing the background that I was wearing. So yeah, I. I'd, same thing with me. I, I grew up listening to a lot of metal, and I actually missed seeing Amon Marth over here in New Orleans a couple months ago. I was I was really bummed that I missed out on. It. I was really hoping to see them, you know, throwing horns of meat around and crashing Dude. Viking ships on stage and stuff. Well, and I was supposed to see Borknagar in mm -hmm. March, uh, aborted this coming Friday. Like, I, dude, I'm so bummed that all conscious. Like, there's. All my favorite bands were coming through, and I've seen Aborted a couple times. I'm good friends with those guys. Borknagar, I hadn't seen yet. I was so excited to see him. And, yeah, yeah, squashed. Like, I'm really pissed at the virus right. over that thing more than anything else. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I mean, I've got tons of friends here in Florida, too. I, I grew up in South Florida and, and keep up with friends and, you know, music festivals and all that kind of stuff getting getting canceled. So it's just got everybody, everybody in the entertainment industry. I mean, Disney World is, I was supposed to go to, uh, galaxy's edge to the star wars theme park last month oh. and the park closed you know so Damn. um i mean it'll be there once all this this rolls over so yeah it'll, sure it'll be even more packed yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's the nature of the beast maybe i'll wait another year for it to calm down a bit oh. wait yeah. wait till till next year's virus season <laughs> right 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 but it is what it is man um yeah, so I want to ask you about your cats. You've got these awesome Savannah cats, right? Is that what they're they're considered? Yeah, so um, I've got Tarkin. He's a three-year-old Savannah. And then I've got Vader. He's a two-year-old Serval. So Savannahs are bred 
okay. from Servals. And, uh, like all grow like, so I, I was raised pretty much with a crazy cat lady. And, um, <laughs> when I, when I, you know, finally got moved out and everything, I was like, I'm never having animals. Like there was a ridiculous amount of cats, like a stupid amount. And, um, kind of broke down, eventually had like one shelter rescue. And every time I'd come across a photo of, you know, an exotic cat, like a Savannah, I was like, my God, like they're huge, they're gorgeous. And I didn't realize, but like half the time I was finding pictures of servals that somebody yeah. was, you know, saying it, you know, Savannah's, but, um, and so I started, you know, looking into those and then I realized like, dear God, they're expensive. Like you, you see people in the purebred, you know, dog industry and they're like, yeah, I got $1,200 for this bulldog and that's insane. And I'm thinking like, God, my, my deposit was three times that, like that was the deposit. And, you know, he would, he would have never happened if, uh, the gun thing hadn't kind of taken off where it did, you know, and, and the, the DOE job, it pays well, but not enough for a, you know, $7,000 cat. So, um, I was all excited about him. And then, you know, I had my deposit, I waited about a year because, you know, you end up on a waiting list and I was, I wanted them from a specific breeder. You got to do a lot of research and, um. In the meantime, I had everyone just bombing me with like, oh, dude, it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, buddy had one. They destroyed their house. They pissed on everything. They just – I was thinking like, shit. Like I – I <laughs> What did I get not. myself but, into? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, at the same time, I'm thinking like, you know, every dog's different. It's like saying like, dude, you sure. don't want to mess – you don't want to mess if they're going to attack your kids. Like, well, just because your buddies did. You know, you never know. So sure. I end up getting him, and he's honestly been like the best pet I've ever had in my life. I've never had a more affectionate animal. He's so well-trained. Um, and it's like having a perpetual puppy in the house too. Like wherever I am, aside from right now, apparently, um, he's, he's gotta be there. Like if I'm sitting on the couch, my legs are up, he's in my lap. If I'm trying to work on a gun, he's in my lap half the time. He's, he's, he's tolerant of all that crap. And my God, he's just a loving, huge dude. And he's, he's a good 30 pounds now. And, uh, yeah, he's tall enough to, you know, get his head up over the kitchen counter and, you know, look around at things. And then, um, after that, kind of going back to the, the custom gun thing. I'm just like, I can't have a normal anything. Like, let's just keep going. And um, so I started doing research into servals, and, and I seemed those were a lot more hit, hit or miss. Because now that I was kind of in the, you know, Savannah, you know, community, you know, I was able to talk to other people that had them. And then you're going to find out about breeders that have servals to, you know, to create the Savannahs. And and those, those are way more hit or miss. Like, some don't want any human contact. Some will destroy everything. Some are super loving and, and lap cats. And so that was definitely a bigger gamble. And, you know, again, tons of research on a breeder and turned out after all the research anyway and, and getting Bader, my breeder turned out to be a, a pile of shit, just a, a female Joe Exotic, I guess. But uh, uh, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've got sure all the memes. Yeah. Everyone, everyone loves bringing that up with me now. It's great. Yeah. Sorry about um, that. No, no, <laughs> doesn't, try to, doesn't try to rub it in. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's funny. Um, but Vader's actually been like, if, if there were things that I wish he did more yet, yeah, sure. Like I wish he were a lap cat too. It's like the selfish little things. Sure. Um, but he's not, uh, he's not aggressive. He doesn't go potty where he shouldn't like, he doesn't go in the litter box. He likes, you know, pee pads, which honestly I had no idea that that was so much better because you don't have litter all over the place. And now you're basically like just picking up a diaper and tossing it. But, um, um, 
he's not aggressive about food. He's, he's overall a really well-behaved animal. And like, and for what he is, like he's, a, they're found on the plains of Africa. Like he's a wild animal. And every night I go and, you know, right. I'm in a bed and that's when he suddenly does become a lap cat. Cause he lays across my legs every single night. He's just, he's, he is uh, affectionate and you can tell from the look on his face, you know, when he sees you and, and all this stuff. But, um, he's, I don't know, it's been, it's been crazy raising those two because they're totally different animals from each other. And they're like, they're both just awesome. And it's, and, uh, I get asked all the time because now that like, I'm an owner and part of like that whole different community, like I get people all the time, like, Hey, I want to get one. And here's what I'm thinking. And I, I, I pretty much tell everyone like not to, because it, having an animal like that isn't conducive to like a normal lifestyle after that, because where his, you know, he's a wild animal and he eats, you know, raw chicken, raw, you know, meat, raw, you know, whatever, like as close to the actual, like giving him an actual animal that's, you know, you want to tolerate. So that means like, well, you're not leaving for a week. Like you would, if you have a house cat, you're not going to like, you're not going to put a week's worth of dead animal out and hope your place isn't destroyed with it. When you get back, like, Oh, cool. I found like a chicken leg is on my, yeah. It's everywhere. And it's like a murder scene. Yeah. And I mean, and besides that, let's say that even if you could, okay, well you could put that all in his kennel or whatever, like, but no animal wants to eat week old, you know? So, I mean, your, your, your options for how you're going to live are a little bit more limited, especially where like I'm a single guy and I don't have someone here taking care of the house. If I do want to go somewhere. So it just makes things like that a little more complicated. Sure. Cool. No, I appreciate you sharing. I, I think they're really cool. Like I'd never heard of them before. I started following you, and you and you had a couple posts, and I'm like, "What is this?" So I looked up Savannah cats, and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's kind of crazy." It's. I mean, it makes me think of a lot of people have like the half half dog, half wolf hybrids. You yeah. Know? And yeah, that's that's those can present a whole lot of problems. A whole lot of problems for people that have those too. They they can be either way depending on the on the animal and how they're raised. I've I've known some people that have them, and they're like the most well behaved dogs you've ever seen. And I've I was actually attacked by one as a kid. So like oh really? You know, yeah. I mean, I was lucky. I didn't get torn up or anything. But um, but yeah. I mean, they can go either way. It's like it's just like people, right? The animals have their own yeah. personalities, and it's they're a reflection of their environment a lot, not just not just what their nature. Right. Nope. No, I totally agree. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, next question, who's, uh, who's influencing right now, man? Like, what are you, what are you going to get into and what's, what, are you reading anything or following anybody? Um, honestly, it's been more of the traditional, like a uh, Viking artwork guys. So I've yeah. kind of gone down like a, a rabbit hole of all the guys that do like, uh, the more not work, um, carvings and, and artwork and all that. And, I've always admired all that and, and the skill that goes into it and never really understood it. And, um, if you've, you know, been following the page, like I'm posting a lot more of, you know, the stuff I'm doing like that, but, um, everything I've always done, like, you know, half of my classes in, in high school were like a studio art class where you just design your own products or projects and, and whatnot. So I've, I've always just kind of had my hands busy with stuff like that to the you know point where I've gotten into, uh, like some of the, the full length, you know, wooden spears where I've, yeah, man. And so, and the, and the thing is with the tools I use on the guns, like it pretty much translates directly over. Um, it's just a lot more, uh, material you're working with. Cause I can, I can get the carving done on, on the average gun in like a, a day or less and, uh, 
six or seven foot spear is, you know, 50 or 60 hours. So it's, it's a lot more time involved, but it's just been something uh, fun and different to, to work with and, and kind of stay fresh and, and then doing stuff like that just makes me more creative, you know, for a direction I want to go, you know, gun wise. So yeah, always yeah, been like the you, artsy guy. You, no, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it goes right around the philosophy of this podcast, which is, you know, warrior monk is having a duality and balance in your life. You know, if you're, you're constantly in the destroy mentality and you never have any balance and time to be creative and balance it out, you, you kind of, you get, you get stuck in a kind of certain place in your mind. So I think it's awesome that you're like, you know, you're, you're, part of our, our nation system of, I mean, you're a veteran, you're part of our, our nation system for self-defense. And then you have like this awesome artistic creative side, which is, is, I dig it totally, man. That's why I've been following you for so long. I think your stuff is great. Um, well, thanks. Question for you. Um, yeah, man. Um, do you follow, uh, Peter Madsen, the tattoo artist? Uh, he goes by Blackhand Nomad. Uh, I, that doesn't sound familiar. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll tag you. I'll tag you in some of yeah, yeah. like, he's probably in the top like 50, uh, tattoo artists maybe in the world, but he, he specializes in Nordic art and almost oh. all his tattoo work he does is, is based off Nordic stuff. And right down to that, he's like, he actually will go and, and find like the, Nordic, Nordic oh. carvings and stuff like that. And he does oh, yeah, dot yeah. work yep, and he yep. mirrors it mirrors it off of actual, you know, traditional Norwegian and, and Danish uh, artwork and stuff like that. And he's, his work is phenomenal. I'll, I'll tag him some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think dude. he'd really like it. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, so, yeah, like, on that topic, we're in like topic, like, when you hear that, what what does that make you think of? Uh, actually, you, you kind of summed it up there. I mean, my first, my first take was um, when I first saw that, like, I immediately thought Braveheart, you know, warrior poet, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, sure. um no, it's it's having you know both facets of of your your life or your lifestyle, and uh, I mean you have to be willing to do the things necessary to protect yourself and your loved ones. But you know you've got to be grounded and and at peace with what you do, and you've got to um, you just you just got to be well rounded. I mean you've got to be good at everything that you're doing in your life whether it's, you know, violence or it's, or it's not. Cool, man. I appreciate your take on it. Yeah. Um, so for people who want to follow you or check you out or, you know, order a trigger or, or try to get, get on your docket for, for custom uh, pistol work, uh, where can they find you throughout your, your, your socials and stuff? So uh, most of my work is, is thrown up on Instagram. Um, the website is just ssbi.us. So that's that's easy to find, and I'm sure if you just type in SSVI in, in Google, it's it's all going to come up. There's a Facebook page. Honestly, all my stuff from Instagram just gets reposted to Facebook, so I don't really pay attention to that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So you leave me a comment or a message there may go unanswered, just not because I'm trying to be a dick, but I just don't see it. Um, so yeah, yeah, Instagram, um, email Damon at SSVI.us if you have questions on, on stuff that's not covered there. But um, yeah, pretty easy to find, and done done quite a few things cool awesome man any anything else you wanted to bring up uh i always always throw it out there since you got the platform some people like to advocate or or bring uh, up topics or anything of that nature uh well you know 
Carol Baskins killed her husband. That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, that's all. That's all. For, I'm on that team there. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, on yeah. the on team, team, team Joe Exotic. I, the the memes the memes that have come Dude. out from from the Tiger King have just been. It's like I think it's the only reason the like the world is still surviving and hasn't just completely offed itself is I, the oh, quarantine God. memes. <laughs> I know. Well, so I don't know when it was released, but you know, last night I happened to catch that there was like a follow-up episode and I can't remember the actor's name, Joel, somebody I've seen him in a couple of things like uh, Ted, but uh, he interviews most of the people involved in that aside from Joe and Carol. Um, and do, so you're talking all the main people, like part of his staff and the people that were right. constantly on the documentary, every one of them, fuck Joe. Like, so do you think that he was treated for Fuck Joe. He's a politician. Whoa. Okay. All right. That wasn't exactly your attitude then, but we get it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, to that, <laughs> it's one of those things that like, if, if you're not hooked in the first 10 minutes, there's probably something wrong with you because that's such a crazy train wreck. You know, and I get it. <laughs> it's a yeah, train wreck like, in slow motion. To Walmart too, because it's, it's kind of gross, but like to see how over the top all this gets and then the weird twists and turns it takes too. you're like, are you shitting me? Uh, like, it's just crazy. This is real. Just can't, can't look away. Like I'm, I know. I'm disgusted, but I can't look away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, awesome, man. Oh, well, yeah. hey, I, I, what's up? Oh, I was, yeah, I was gonna say one last uh, thing while we're on uh, those topics. Did you end up seeing "Don't Fuck with Cats"? I started it and I need to finish it. Yeah, so it's one of it's. I think that's probably the best docu- documentary on Netflix right now. Yeah, it's one of those that. You, you know, the premise is, you know, animal abuse and, and nobody wants to see right. that. And everyone thinks that you're going to see some of it. And they're like, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, subject to that, but you don't, you don't see anything first off. Um, but it turns out that's kind of just the minor, like that's kind of what gets the ball rolling on that whole thing. At the end of, you know, every episode is some like, uh, piano from the sky, like bit of information, like what the hell just happened now? And right. it gets so far off topic from how it originally started. Like, I I don't think they could make a horror movie out of it because it's so unbelievable. Right, and even right. towards the end, during the credits, some other bit of information is dropped. Where you're like, dear God, I've got to watch the whole thing again. It's like not as dramatic as like the Fight Club ending. We're like, holy shit, everything's wrong. <laughs> but it's one of those like, dude, it's it's unbelievable. That is such a good man. Well, yeah. I've got free got time this week, so I'll take the recommendation <laughs> yeah, and, and finish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool, brother. Well, hey, man, thanks again so much for your time today. Uh, yeah. I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy amongst all the COVID nonsense. And uh, thank you for your service. Thanks for what you're still doing for the country. And uh, right. I look forward and to seeing you more. Yeah, man. And I look forward to seeing more awesome work from uh, from you. Well, I appreciate you having me on and, and taking time out of your day, too. So, yeah, brother. Um, appreciate everything you do. Yeah. Talk to you. All right, man. All right. Thanks one more time to Damon Young of SSVI. It was really cool to meet you, man. It was great to have you on the podcast, and I appreciate your time. And if you guys are interested, go check out Damon's website at www.ssvi.us. He's got his tier triggers on there. And if you use the promotional discount code WarriorMonk at checkout, you'll save 10% on one of the tier triggers. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you've enjoyed any of the podcasts in the past, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, leave some of your feedback. I always appreciate feedback, whether it's positive or negative. 
Feedback is feedback. And go follow us on Instagram at the Warrior Monk Podcast, as well as we're on Facebook. And thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Everyone continue to stay healthy. Everyone continue to stay safe. And join us on the next episode of the Warrior Monk Podcast, where we continue to push towards learning and growth through balance. Appreciate it, guys. This is Lance signing out.